What is up? Today I talked to Milwaukee comedian Maddie Field. Five, four, three. What's up, friends? What's up, friends? We're back. But why not? But why not? Uh, I live in Slinger. I, I usually like if I'm submitting to anything, I'll identify myself as a Milwaukee comic because that's kind of my stomping grounds most of the time. Nice. Yeah. Milwaukee carries a little more brand with it. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, uh, Maddie, you put together some uh, comedy events um, in Oshkosh, being that that's the best connection to our audience directly based on what we do. Sure. Let's just start there. Yeah. Um, so, who's on 5th at 5th Ward? Yep. 5th right? Ward Brewing Company in Oshkosh. Um, we started back in October was our first one, and it's a comedy showcase, so we do, um, and 5th Ward Brewing Company has been incredible as far as a venue space for it. Um, they were incredibly supportive of the idea like right away when I pitched it to them. And since we've had now a number of months under our belt, they, they handed over the keys to First Fridays indefinitely um, because they, they are very happy with the turnout for the show. And as, as the producer and host of the show, I couldn't be more proud of it. Like, it's just been phenomenal. So, yeah, getting the word out, I, I really appreciate you bringing me on because I, I would love for people to come check out the show. Free yep, it's a free show. So it's um, first Friday of the month, 9 p.m. Um, there's no cover. There's no drink minimum. Uh, we really try our best to turn Fifth Ward Brewing Company's tap room into like a comedy club for the night. Um, but it's the best kind of comedy club that you don't have to pay a cover and you don't have to buy a bunch of drinks if you don't want to. Like people show up and have cups of water and free popcorn. <laughs> What's the, I guess, what's the hardest part from a comics perspective about developing that space to be right for comedy? it, there's a little bit of a learning curve with figuring out um, how to set things up. Luckily for, for this, because Fifth Ward Brewing Company isn't, I, I wouldn't just say they're just like just a tap room or, or, or a beer brewer. They, they really are like a, a venue space. Like they, we were lucky in the fact that they have a stage that they can put up and it's because I've done a million shows at bars where it's just sort of a corner of the bar and there's a mic stand and there's not dedicated lights and there's, you know, the sound is iffy and there's the house lights are all on and there's TVs on and stuff like that. That's not this case. Like I think the right away they were on board with, with kind of what I envisioned of like, let's see if we can make this a comedy club. So we have a stage, we've got lights, we've got the, the sound system. Um, I, I'd say that the toughest part, is that still with any any bar show you're it's still going to be for some people that are attending it's just the they wanted to go out to a bar that night and they want to hang out and talk um so managing like table talk and stuff a bit i mean so that's the difference is that's maybe the disconnect for some people that attend where they're like well it's not a comedy club and i just came here to drink with my buddy so we we try to keep them towards the back of 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 the room and and we try to manage that as best we can but for the most part i'd say like the crowds have been really good with uh like managing themselves for noise and stuff and just so everybody can have a good time that's awesome yeah um, how did you get into comedy what's your history 
Um, I well, I started in 2011, so this would be this will be my ninth year. Um, I actually the first time the first open mic I ever went to was at uh, the Comedy Quarter, which was an old comedy club that was in Nina, I think. Um, so I, I went to college in Oshkosh, and I have lots of ties to the Fox Valley. Um, I. At the time, too, I was living in West Bend, which would have been closer to go to Milwaukee. But um, I had a friend that lived further up here, and, and they suggested checking that place out. So I, I first dipped my toe into comedy in the Fox Valley, and then I really did all of my development, I would say, down in the Milwaukee scene. Um, but then since then, I've been able to perform all over in Chicago, and I did some performances in New York. And like I, I, I go wherever I can, and I will probably do most any show. <laughs> so are you like a full like a full hour kind of guy yeah i i definitely yeah um i would love to headline all the time but i don't have like enough clout to do so so uh i i don't have a lot of like tv credit is something that i can't fall back on and um you know there, there's a lot of people that are in the scene like i would would say are like contemporaries of mine of the milwaukee scene that have had rad opportunities where they've opened up for big comics and stuff and that usually builds to other things so um I, I've, I've sort of lucked into some situations where nothing that I can really like fall back on as an actual credit. So like my, <laughs> my take on everything and my advice for, for any young comedians that want to do comedy and don't feel like they're getting chosen for shows and stuff like that is to make your own shows, like DIY a show. And that's what I've done for all these years. I, I, I do <clears throat> genuinely love producing shows and I, I love hosting the shows um, and my my sweet spot like I absolutely love to do long sets and when whenever I get an opportunity I just headlined uh, a show in Milwaukee where I and that at that show the headline spot was 35 minutes and that was like perfect I had such a great night that night but like that's I would love to be doing that amount of time all the time but I'm probably just not, you know, I, I'm not a name or anything. So getting a headline spot at like a comedy club is probably not going to happen. Um, you know, MC, you, at clubs, you start with doing MC work and then you get some feature spots and eventually, hopefully you can <laughs> get to headliner. But the, the cool thing uh, about Milwaukee and especially now up here, like this uh, Fifth Ward is would be a, a an example of a DIY show where I'm, I'm able to put together a showcase and I'm giving comedians the, like from all over Wisconsin the opportunity if they're in the headline spot um, they're going to be doing 30 to 40 minutes and some of these comics really haven't had an opportunity to, to do that long of set very often or something and and a lot of these I mean I've made a lot of connections and a lot of the people that I'm booking I would consider friends um, but it's really it's not just based on that like I'm, I'm really trying to pick like best of the best to to do um these especially if they're a headliner yeah there's a few things there um it's interesting um i haven't been to who's on fifth yet i'll, I'll definitely how many people do you usually have Is it it's performance? probably or, or for the um for how many are performing yeah. it's always i'll always host and then i have uh, i always try to grab in like um, best case scenario is I get a local opener. Um, part of that is just the selfish act of, of having sort of some built-in attendees, you know, because if they're local, they're probably going to get a bunch of people to come. Um, and then I will have two co-features and a headliner. Okay. Um, yeah. Nice. So um, four people. 
people in a host kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, very similar with like the Fox Valley comedy situation. Yep. Um, that Lyle's been doing, and it is cool because I could tell just because having gone to open mics, um, having seen some people feature or open at Skyline, like I frequent Skyline quite a bit. Yeah. Um, can really tell that some of these people also haven't had the experience. Yeah. Um, I guess it's because I, I went to like the first six open mics and that really gives you a good feel of like, because when like the first two open mics, it was like three pros that were just like helping the scene and yeah. everyone else was just like, like bomb, 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 you know? Yeah. But um, anyway, it seemed like everybody stepped up um, from the few shows I've been to with Fox Valley Comedy. Yeah. Um, given their opportunity, you know, to have the extra 10, 15 minutes that they don't normally have. Yeah, that's always going to be the thing that everybody really wants to jump on. And especially to like, I I pay my comics uh, and that's a a big part of the conversation of comedy and DIY shows and stuff like everybody who's starving for stage time is going to find a stage to get on. Uh, But being able to to put together a show and to reliably be, be able to pay the comics to perform. I mean, it's just something that I've been building for for years. Like I, there for <clears throat> for years, I was doing uh, a stand-up showcase at the Backlot Comedy House in Oshkosh too, um, and a lot of times, and that was always a, a no-cover show. Um, and we would just ask for tips like at the end of the show whenever I was bringing comics up and sometimes I'm having comics come all the way up from Chicago and stuff like that that really want to perform and. I, I would always like, especially there, I was digging into my own pocket very often to, to pay out comics, but it was all towards building to something. Like I wanted comics to be confident in me as a producer and as someone who's going to put together a show that like is of quality. And now I feel like it's, it, I'm at this spot where I have this awesome venue and I have this show that, that I've built in a way where like the, the headliner that <clears throat> I'm bringing up for February's show, Chastity Washington, uh, in my mind is just like comedy royalty. She is a legend, especially in the Milwaukee area. And there, before I asked her to be on the show, I was really doubting if she would take the booking. Cause I feel like she's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it is kind of still a DIY show. Um, and she performs in clubs and stuff. And, and I think the only reason she said yes is because like I've been around for a long time and I've worked with her a bunch before and I think it helps that she thinks I'm funny and you know like there there was enough things that worked together where she was like yeah I'll do your show and that like that was the best feeling in the world because I like for an audience to be able to see Chastity in February for free like it's rad like she she is one of the best comics I've ever seen that's awesome I, I like that uh, there's really a lesson there for for anybody that you have to do, like if you really want something, you have to do it for nothing or lose money or yeah. gain very little to like get it to the point where you're comfortable where it's going to, that it's going to work. Yeah, they, they say that about every business, restaurants and everything. You have to like prepare to, to be failing at, at first and not make, making money and, and if you just have the wherewithal to like it's really about finding a space a lot of these spaces they they want to find new ways to bring people in uh and fifth ward was already a really awesome place and they they do like like i said they're like a venue like they have bands that perform there and stuff like that but doing 
putting this together is like a more regular thing that I think they've been really happy with. And there's breweries has just been an awesome thing. Like Lyle has done, uh, put together an amazing show for at a brewery in Milwaukee. Like all these different breweries have these shows. Now Milwaukee comedy produces a show at Lakefront brewery that for a while was considered the best, like club show in Milwaukee, but but that was because there wasn't a, a good comedy club anymore in Milwaukee, and and it's like I would recommend that show to everybody. It's at Lakefront Brewery, and they sell out every time, and it. Yeah, it's 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 amazing. It, that's that's an incredibly good show. But like, if if anybody out there is listening to this, and there is a a brewery that's that's nearby you, like approach them see if like that it just seems like like breweries and comedy have really it's been an awesome match like in cities all over the place so yeah, yeah something about breweries in general like there's this uh like a spirit behind yeah it, you know i don't know just a bunch of people getting together and like it's a social space by nature oh yeah you know um, I don't know if there's even an except, exception to that rule. Well, and it's, I think part of it, too, is that they're building something there, too. It's not just, you know, the Fifth Ward is serving drinks that they brew there, and they understand the idea of, like, building something from the ground up. And I think they, like, it, it was funny when I approached those dudes because they're, compared to me, they're so young. Like, I, I feel like I'm really old. I'm turning 40 in April. And, you know, I approached these guys, and they're probably, like, 26 or something like that and they you know own their own brewery and i'm like oh can can i come to your brewery for a couple hours every month and tell stupid stories into a microphone but like they they really are like cool onboard dudes and and like there's so many places all over the place that that you could put a show together that you could get hungry comedians that like really want to perform well i think that's imperative is you need to find people that like you know, don't find the people that just want to be offensive and just want to ruffle feathers and stuff like be book people that are going to be there to entertain people and you're going to have an awesome show. Definitely. Um, I guess, how do you find your comics like and, and what are you looking for? For for me, like so generally for the the show i i do like to get local openers um for who's on fifth and uh i've booked a, a few now a handful from going to the open mic at skyline um i'm i'm looking for that stage confidence mic confidence um even if they haven't been doing it very long just like kind of looking like they know what they're doing um because i i do think the, the opening comic is such an important role and that opening comic in my show will do seven to ten minutes but that seven to ten minutes is really going to establish like the room like i'm going to go up and i'm going to do around that same amount of time and get the show rolling bring up a a comic that'll do seven to ten the next two are going to do like 15 to 20 and then the 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 headliner at the show will do like 35 40 minutes and that opening comic it's so important that that i think really a lot of it is confidence but i'm also looking for you know like material like i'm looking for stuff if 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 i'm getting cracked up when i'm at the mic to uh i'm probably gonna you know book somebody if i if i really and especially if i hear like they're they're from around here i'm so happy to get them on stage that's awesome um how have you seen like the scenes change in northeast wisconsin and like milwaukee in the past 
even like four years? Um, it's, yeah, I think there, there's so many more opportunities up here in the Northeast. Like the, like, so, um, I met Dan Carran who runs the, the comedy open mic at Skyline, just at Skyline, um, and, and booked him on my first show just cause I loved his vibe and stuff. He, I think he's built an, uh, an open mic over there and I'm glad that he's in charge because I have seen him cut the mic. I have seen him, uh, like manage things in a way that, that I, I have, you know, in, in some cases I've been to some mics that are just real sloppy and there's not a lot of flow and they're one thing that I hate to see and that I hate to experience as a comic is going to a mic and doing, you know, if you get five minutes or something like that and the other comics that are there are there to do their five minutes and otherwise drink and not pay attention or whatever. And, you know, the, the Skyline gets uh, a room full of people like they they have audience members that come for the, the, the open mic, which is cool. Um, so I think he like. I give him a lot of credit uh, and, and like there's a lot of DIY people that are up in this area, but I give him a lot of credit for kind of pulling a scene together and sort of like managing it because there, there is a sometimes when you have a, a whole bunch of young comics that are kind of brand new and they need to, to learn. And if they don't have other comics that are willing to go to the same place to kind of provide that criticism and direction and stuff, they could, you know, they're probably just going to go off on like, I'm just going to be edgy and I'm just going to be a jerk. <laughs> and, and then, you know, like they're, they're not going to get booked really anywhere else. And I think like this, I've been promoting a lot to Milwaukee comics to come up to Skyline and like I live in Slinger and sometimes my, my buds from Milwaukee will jump in with me and Slinger and then come the rest of the way up here because it, I mean it's fun to to you know even do old material in a new place that's fun um, but just seeing how this operates like everybody seems to really stick around for the whole show and like doing something as simple as the chuckle chain it, it is like a cool concept and people like get behind that and like it's people will stick around for the entire show because maybe they'll get the chuckle chain something as simple as that versus mics where like people will come in do their time and, and bomb out like it's just yeah for people watching that don't know, a chuckle chain is, uh, why don't you explain it? It's a big, fat, fake gold chain that every week at, at Skyline they, is awarded to whomever last week's winner thinks was like the funniest comic this week. Um, so it's always going to be up to that person. So, you know, maybe there's nepotism. <laughs> like if there's like cl close knit friends, who knows? Like I've seen Milwaukee comics get it. I've seen like dudes that have been doing comedy for 20 years get it i've seen brand new comics get it it seems like it's it's enough of a it, I, I think it's awesome that that they do it and they continue to do it and people kind of dig it yeah i think it's funny because i think um from what i've seen uh it's just very genuine and not planned not like dan was like all right we gotta be democratic or we gotta be truly yeah. minded about this chuckle change just happened this yeah week. but um you're absolutely right. Uh, whoever picks is genuinely just like a 
this person killed it the most. It's definitely yeah, and it and it's usually not a big shock for everybody else that's attending. Like there are people like that's why I recommend people that don't even normally attend comedy shows like to to go to these open mics and you're gonna see such a variety. Yeah, you're gonna see some people that go up for the first time. You're also gonna see people that are like seasoned for years and years and are doing some killer material. You're and you're gonna be seeing it for free. I know Backlot Comedy House where I used to have a showcase. They do uh, an open mic too. Um, the the dudes around here have been setting up mics like crazy. I think they're like there's one almost every night of the week now. Like there's you know down in Fond du Lac and Oshkosh and Nina. Like they're all over the place now, yeah. and which is awesome to see. Because back like way back when I started, so it was in 2011. When I started doing it in Milwaukee, there was a, an open mic that I was doing at the uh, Comedy Cafe. It was the, like the club that was in Milwaukee, and I cut my teeth mostly there. And then there was like there there was open mics that were all over the place in the city. Like the people just found venues to have open mics, and then often those places that had those open mics would also eventually have shows and stuff like that. And like the, I love seeing that uh, these dudes around here are putting together open mic venues and especially when they're specifically comedy open mics. Cause sometimes when it's mixed open mic, <laughs> that can be uncomfortable. Cause so, you know, yeah, like there, I very specifically remember a time in Milwaukee years ago when I went to a comedy open mic and there was a guy that came up with a guitar and he started playing, a song and to me it was really funny and I didn't realize like until like three minutes in that he was 100% sincere and that I was like laughing at his art and I felt terrible <laughs> like like yeah being specifically like just a comedy open mic I think makes a big difference that was really funny just a lot like a lot of meta <laughs> yeah like I, I thought I, I actually for a little while thought it was really brilliant I thought he was just doing like making funny making fun of like a particular style of music and he was so sincere and emotional and stuff but no it was just real <laughs> like as a bit it would have been amazing oh man it would have been amazing to do just a full-blown song and then like thank you and then like I'm just fucking kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I've seen like there there was a an open mic in Madison that I went to where and, and like obviously there are other people that need to go to open mics. There was a, a magician that was doing like new material, like new magic stuff that it, it was just like sort of weird experiencing that in a normal like comedy room, but like it makes sense. Like they have to do the same thing, you know, they're developing an act too. Yeah. So like compared to so you said there wasn't clubs in Milwaukee for a little bit? There, well, there was... So now there... And this is a plug for the Laughing Tap. <laughs> there, There is a club in Milwaukee. It's in downtown Milwaukee on South 5th. And this... I'm super excited about this club because um, the people that run it... Yeah, it's new. Um, they they had their, uh, their grand opening in um, December. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah. Yeah, brand new. So... And this is like, you know, a takeoff of like the brewery idea. The space used to be a brewery and now they've turned it into a comedy club. And this is an actual true comedy club. And it's there's three owners um, that are like truly passionate about comedy. And that's kind of the difference. Not to throw shade at the place that I cut my teeth on the most at the at Comedy Cafe in Milwaukee. More than anything, no, they, they closed a couple years ago. They they were at one location on Brady for a long time, and then they closed, and then they opened up somewhere else. And, like, more than anything, that place always sort of felt like 
they just wanted to sell drinks and the names that they were bringing into the club that were like headlining and stuff like they had their lobby was full of photographs of like comedians from like the 80s and the 90s like yeah like the greats and then the people that were headlining were just like people you've never heard of before like road dogs and stuff and no shade against road dogs either because like i've worked with a ton of them and a lot of them are hysterically funny but the impression i always got from the management there was like how do we just sell drinks like it was that more than anything else and they kind of didn't mostly care about like the quality of the acts and stuff that were going up like this place is the their bookings and the the people the local comics that they're getting and they're giving opportunities to like it's all for the right reasons because because people are funny and because like they they love comedy yeah there's got to be a desire for the community like it's kind of any local business right yeah a desire to build that community and then in you know comedy in specific it's the comedy community like how can we foster this right and if you're open-minded to that you know the more venues i guess that are open to that the more the more you get a bunch of excited people putting together events yeah um and then just opportunities to shine you know yeah for sure um over time I think the common thread comes down to leadership that people putting together these open mics. Oh yeah. Think taps ownership being behind the scene. Yeah. Um, it's cool to see that that it's here. Um, this is something you would probably know better than me, um, and maybe not as much on the regional. But you tell me, I guess, is uh, the veterans, um, the com- comic veterans, obviously mm-hmm. not. Not the troops. <laughs> um, but how they're playing a part in um, feedback. Because I feel like um, if there's one thing that I'm like, and I don't have an opinion, I'd be an asshole for having an opinion about this because I just don't know. But um, the one thing that concerns me about like the comedy scene around here is like, like, is it too nice? Like, is it too supportive? Not that it's too oh, supportive. Yeah. Like, no, I get what you mean. That, having veterans come in and be like, um, I, like, I know all the comics at that laughed to, like, make it easier, but, like, you need to work on your material or something. Yeah, that that's incredibly important. Um, having people that have that have been doing it for a long time uh, makes a huge difference. And, and having a supportive room that invites both because there there can be rooms where it's just young new comics and big chips on their shoulders and they 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 know what's funny and they you know they are not receptive to the opinions of people that have been doing it for quite a long time i've encountered that before um being able to talk about your material in a way that you're open to criticism i think is incredibly important and it's not just like that's really important in rooms, but also like there's places all over the uh, online for that kind of stuff too. Um, there's uh, a comic by the name of Doby Maxwell, who's old school. He's been around a long time and he's been doing comedy a long time. He has a Facebook page um, called the Maxwell Method of Comedy. And there are like, there's a bajillion Wisconsin comics. He's Wisconsin based right now. Um, and there's a lot of Wisconsin comics that are on there and people present situations and questions and and things about like what's the best approach to this if you're starting a show what should we do if if i'm looking to do this particular kind of comedy because there's there's 
comedians that will only appear in DIY shows. There's comics that will only appear in, in um, club shows. There are comics that will perform at like church raffles you know there there are comics that will do like cruises and all that kind of stuff there's all these different places you in corporate shows you can do comedy in all these different places and it takes like a different mentality and approach to all of it and that Dobie maxwell's page is an awesome place to get insight about all of those different avenues but it, i mean like if you boil it down to yeah. um no it's just it, all it is is just his facebook page like it's like it's it's a group is he talking to people about like share so here we have a cruise comic explain to us the yeah like he'll, he'll he's done um you know he, he he treats it almost like a blog like he'll so he'll a lot of his individual personal posts will be quite long and with a lot of insight and stuff about you know like i just worked a club this weekend and uh i was featuring for somebody and this is what you should do as a feature um you know treating the the headliner in this way to present yourself in the most like professional way it's basically a resource for people who like want to get somewhere with comedy and want to learn the business of comedy um he's he's written books there's a lot of uh, yeah and there's a lot of uh comics that have written books that are on there too that are always willing to throw in their two cents and you do see it like it's the same thing that you'll see at an open mic where there are also young comics that will go there and have all these kinds of ideas and think all these old geezers don't know what they're talking about and because you know because it's a different world that i'm doing comedy in than you but like there's so much to be gathered and learned from all of the different aspects of it you know i think people that have been doing it for a long time could learn a lot of stuff from people that are doing diy shows too because that like it's depending on what the the comic is looking for is going to be it's it's really going to be what how you approach anything definitely um so out of all those different like as a whole let's just say eastern wisconsin all the different types of comedy what gets you like excited what gets you jazzed like um is it is it more so personal growth do you get super excited about the growth of the scene as a whole like what uh, I would say all of the above seeing personal growth is always awesome seeing someone because there, there's been plenty of times when I've gone to an open mic and I saw someone perform and like the type of material like I'm never going to be the type of person that should say you can only do jokes about this kind of stuff you can never do jokes about this kind of stuff like I, I think that's kind of BS to, to like dictate that kind of stuff I will never be that person but as an audience member there's going to be stuff that I'm going to be reacting to like I'm either going to be really positively reacting to some stuff and really negatively reacting to some stuff and when you're seeing kind of the same thing from a lot of people one after the other, um, it gets a little boring. So when you see someone bring something different to the stage is really cool. Like, like it, to bring it locally, Skyline, I think Ross Huff is the only dude who's bringing a guitar on the stage. So he will stand out in a crowd because he is bringing music into it and he's good at it. And you know, like just bringing something different i think is great because a lot of people like generally and too like if you're if you're all tight-knit and if you're all friends like a lot of people sort of have the same voice and i when i first started i probably sounded like all the other people i hung out with too because we were just sort of developing our voices so like never going into anything expecting that like this is who i am and this is my voice and i have everything locked down 
like it, i think that's just kind of a a high goal to that you're never really going to achieve how long did it take you in your mind to like real or was there and on top of this i guess is there even a moment where you're kind of like wow like that's that's my niche or that's like where i i think finding your voice obviously there, so a lot of my material is like true story based and a lot of it is like self-deprecating and and it's probably lazy the way that I do this. Like my look at it is, and a close friend of mine, uh, his name is Tony Tudor. He uh, is right now Chicago based. He was in New York for a lot of, of time. He is like one of the most prolific writers of jokes that I've ever known in my life. I like, he'll always send me his material and it can be 24 hours a day. I'm receiving texts from him of these like one-liners. Like he for years did that, like where he's doing one-liner, one-liner, one-liner. And in my opinion, that it seems like it's so much to remember, <laughs> like, like there's so much separate material that you have to remember where in my case, like I, I usually get the writing spark based on like something that has happened and then like the material will develop from there. But it's always like sort of based on something that was real where it's like, I feel like it's just easier for me to remember that way. Like I'm probably, like, I would never follow my advice as far as like writing. Cause I don't sit down and I don't write. I, I haven't for years. I probably, when I first started, I would write things, but my writing approach is when I'm driving and I do a fair amount of driving. Uh, that's when I'm just talking to myself and coming up with bits, just out loud talking to myself and then hoping that I remember them. <laughs> like, like that's probably the dumbest approach for it, but but I have seen like, so now taking that example, so my buddy Tony did for years, did this amazing one-liner stuff. And, but he was also personally one of the funniest people for personal stories, but he never brought that stuff on stage. And I was always like, dude, you gotta do that stuff on stage. And now the stuff that he's developing is a lot more based on personal stuff, which, I don't know, like I, I have a huge appreciation for one-liner style comedy, I think it's great, but then like relatable stuff and personal stuff, I love hearing that kind of comedy too. So seeing people transition from one style to another is kind of exciting because it like that just seems like growth. Yeah, no, and uh, yeah, I don't think it's weird because you're, you're comparing like one-liner to relating there kind of is just like a natural hierarchy, I think, for like what appeals to more people. Sure. And like, um, like in movies, I, like this is what popped in my head, but you could tell a story about two friends, but like that story is like that same story with a father and a daughter is just gonna be like, it's just gonna hit more people harder, you know? Sure. Um, but along those lines with with like your style and stuff, was there like, cause your voice develops, like that's yeah. kind of alluded to. I think a lot of it comes from criticism. So if you like, and I, I've seen so many brand new comics do the same thing and you'll hear from older comics that they refer to kind of hacky things that like most of them cannot say they didn't do you know there's so much stuff that would be considered hacky that i did when i first started out because it was like uh, stuff that i sort of thought like like i've seen people do it and i didn't know it was hacky and like it seemed like like the perfect example for me is uh humping a stool like everyone will bring up like 
many many seasoned comics will bring up how that is like the hackiest thing anybody can do is like any kind of a bit that involves humping the stool uh if you <laughs> that's the thing is like there's always going to be an exception to the rule but it's also like something that you would see then like i i'm sort of embarrassed and i'm glad that there isn't video that exists of me doing like bits where and like i i overall i have a really immature sense of humor like immature things i think are funny like i I, I have two kids and I have since they were born have told them that the only universal truth is that farts are funny 100% of the time but like there's places for that like I wouldn't build a whole set around the idea of farts being funny yeah. but there probably are people that could do it and could do it well and so it, it's all about like there's so many different approaches and stuff but I think my original like and I, th I see this a lot with with people that first start like their their voice when they first start out like they're there's going to be a lot of swearing and not not saying anybody has to be clean because I, I definitely swear throughout my set but when when the swearing is more sort of like nerves based and if you're like if if someone uses re relies on the f word instead of saying um you know, that's very apparent than when someone's doing like a mic set and every other word is the F word and they're, they're just trying to find the words and they fall back on that. Like that feels unprofessional. That feels like it's not material that you've like tested and is like going to work. So I think when I first started, like there was stuff that I would material that I would do that like would be kind of like edgier and maybe I probably did like a fair amount more dirty stuff because, and not, and again, I'm saying I have a very immature sense of humor. It, sex stuff is, is always like, it's a, just a dumb, funny human topic that I will talk about endlessly. But I think I was maybe like a little more focused on like the dirty stuff when I first started as compared to where I am now. Cause, and, and it's, it's hard because when I'm building a set and I, a long set, I, I have two daughters and like, I do a fair amount of like father based material, which I don't think like it doesn't settle well with like, if I'm going to talk a bunch about like banging and like all this like dirty stuff and then be like, and I also have these two daughters, <laughs> like, you know, like delivered in the right way. That can be really funny. Right. But, but I think I've just sort of like, I've maybe moved a little bit further away from that. Uh, and more into just like, instead of just finding something that like, coming up with the right uh, words that are sort of dirty and weird and gross that will make someone laugh. Like I'd rather make someone laugh because not just because it's dirty and weird and gross, but because it's sort of like clever. And I don't think, yeah, I don't think you have to like do as much work if you're going to go just like dirty because sometimes like just the fact that it's dirty is enough to make people laugh. I sort of like to do the, like a little bit more to make it clever. And I think that's like, like the next level or you know what I mean um you gotta work it a little bit yeah yeah um I wish I could talk about this more from experience because like I told you before we went live I've only done two open mics sure but it's always been kind of um like why I've seen stand up as like this romantic thing is because uh like the the notion I get at least through intuition is that um the better you get at stand-up or like the more you find your like 
by finding your voice, you're finding your voice. Like by sharpening your skills in comedy, like you're actually finding like, oh, like that's my ideal cadence. And like oh, yeah. the more like you're going to get better response by being more genuine to yourself. Because yeah. people for I mean, people are smart, you know, we're social creatures and it, we notice like when people are being themselves versus when they're yeah like putting on a front or being over the top dirty just because they you know they might be uncomfortable or sure but um, I think being genuine is the thing that, that is going to come through with the most of people and people will identify that even if it's stuff that you can't personally identify with, like I, I don't have a, a, really any history of like, like major drug use and stuff like that. Comics that do like personal stories related to that kind of stuff because you know, they're being genuine and because you can tell that it's coming from a, a place of honesty, like it, you relate to that piece of it. Maybe you don't relate to the fact that like so-and-so did heroin or something like that. Maybe you're hugely opposed to any the idea anyone would ever do something like that. But if they can tell a story and coming from a place of like being genuine and, and honesty, like that, I, you can make anything funny and relatable whatever you're talking about as long as you kind of approach it and people view it as like oh this is just a dude like telling a story like that's I, I think that's easy for people like uh, an audience can get comfortable seeing someone being genuine versus someone where you can really see the edges of everything and really you know see that that they're trying to do something versus doing something definitely I think uh it's interesting watching like so it's interesting how well comedy has been received like how packed out all these shows have been um which really just goes to show like supply and demand oh yeah just that there really is a a market I think there will be some people that are that will tell you like comedy is dead or comedy is dying and that like comes up so often and I think it's such bullshit like it's never comedy's never going to go anywhere and there's people that can spend all their time raging against PC culture and all that kind of stuff and say like it absolutely ruins comedy but like I think like if you're not willing to adapt to the voice of the current time that you're in you're just going to like it, you're just not going to be relevant and the people that you know like anybody who would be really offended that like it's so stupid that we can't you know, do material about this thing that society at this point in our history has decided is, is really a taboo, like offensive topic. Like, again, there are people who are going to be able to work with that material and make it funny and you have to be clever, but like the people that can't roll with the time and just realize like, yeah, just move on from some of that stuff. Like, you know, like it's, it's, like watching movies from the 80s where you know like i love john hughes movies and there's like characters that like if you view it through modern lens like how can you enjoy this because there is very clearly like racial stereotypes that are like offensive but at that time through the lens of that time 
it was really funny and like if you can take that lens, modern lens and go back and watch that it, it works but you couldn't you wouldn't see that in a modern movie you wouldn't see like an over-the-top offensive take on an asian character where like that's their that's their whole personality is they're they're just this superficial stereotype like that that doesn't fly anymore and i think that like we're no it's like it's important i think it's a good thing yeah definitely it it forces growth it's it's interesting because it's almost like uh it's taking the easy stuff away you know yeah and some people are like oh if only we had the easy stuff yeah and the people that will out loud complain about it, I think, like, don't put yourself on record being like, boy, I really miss being able to use the N-word. Like, really? <laughs> like, keep that in a private conversation and, you know, move on. Definitely. Yeah, and honestly, society being strict about, like, opposing that desire to go back is, is important. Or the growth doesn't, you know, crystallize. Right. Life. To move forward and there's always going to be the, the so there if society on a whole says this stuff is kind of taboo and off and like off the table and don't joke about that there's always going to be the people that crave that material too and then those like smaller specialized shows are going to deliver that and those are going to be packed houses too and like i I I really think that everybody's like entitled to comedy and I think everyone's entitled to laugh and I think the culture like as a whole can can really shine a light on who is relevant or not and like the people that are really like hateful and and just not it like seemingly are not good people if the light gets shown on them in a negative way and it like decreases their relevance and like that it, it's just sort of like a self-cleaning oven like i think this everything kind of like works in the way it sh- it's supposed to and the trash kind of gets taken out and brings some new talent in and yeah, it's only a matter of time before, I mean, and, and I guess as I'm about to say this, it's only a matter of time before the truth comes out is what I was going to say. Yeah. And like, it sounds like a, a negative thing, but yeah, when you see it as a self-cleaning oven, it's... Yeah, I, I think yeah. I think the approach to it is like, if you see people that are being like, our culture right now is so focused on like, hey, did you see this person did this thing that's so offensive? And like directing all this traffic to that thing is just reinforcing that that person that like, you know, well, I didn't do anything wrong because look at all this attention I get from it. Like I'm a big advocate for if someone sucks, if someone just sucks and they say stuff that sucks ignore them and remove their relevance i would much rather see that than people be like like oh my god you have to see this thing that's so offensive like yeah cancel culture um yeah you're right it almost makes it makes the people they're trying to cancel more powerful yeah i i mean i see that a lot (laughs) and it's it's just i I think it's kind of silly and some people hack it in the you know strategically being offensive oh yeah for the girl for sure and then yeah it's funny some people do it artfully and some people just like do it like a battering ram to yeah the wall. like um but but i see that like the people that that do it and they're successful doing it and then the younger comics that see that as like how they kind of want to emulate themselves they're on such different levels that it doesn't translate like you can kind of get away with a lot more when you have been around for a really long time and you've established yourself as being like a thinking person and and versus a guy who like 
really has no experience and then tries to be super edgy. Yeah, it's the same. I don't know if you're into hip hop, but it translates exactly the same. Yeah. Like younger hip hop artists just to stand out. Let's do as many dumbass headline things as we can. Yeah. I mean, but um, yeah, the one thing about like starting in the weeds, making a name and then taking risks is uh, one, you have the skills of being in the weeds. Two, you have the connections of being in the weeds. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then you have like a reputation that you can kind of like work with. Yeah. Rather than like starting your reputation rough. Right. And like trying to grow from there. I mean, you can do it that way too. Yeah, and you always risk like there's the person that has been doing it for a long time and then suddenly gets edgy like has the risk of losing their entire audience and stuff too but but the idea of the self-cleaning oven is like if well if that's what's going to happen then that's what happens and like clearly that person made a mistake and they took a wrong turn will everybody allow them to come back around i mean as we've seen probably like i think there are people that are very forgiving for some things that maybe personally i don't think should be (laughs) forgiven on a wide scale but who am i to say I was, (laughs) I was very much. I've seen him live. There, there was one tour that I went two nights in a row to see him at the Pabst. And like, I, I was a very big fan of his. I had a big print on my wall and like the day that like stuff dropped, like the news of it dropped, the print immediately came down and like, I, I, cause I'm friends with so many comedians on social media where there are the, the people that will be like the apologist crowd, the people that think he should never work again. The people that think like, well, I can still think he was funny, but I can't look at him through the same. I'm not going to say anybody's view is the right view for me personally. Like it just the impact that he had on people's lives in the way that he did, like it really just kind of removes that from like, I just kind of can't go back. I like, I'm kind of off that now. And like he, he, I will never say he wasn't brilliantly funny or he, I mean, he very well could be right now the funniest he's ever been, but I'm just not paying attention to it just because I can't get around that piece of it. Sure. Have you, I mean, I don't know enough about it to like sway you either way, but um, I think some of those stories, I mean, no matter what, you jerk off in front of people or whatever, but um, I think some of the stories are like blown out of proportion is what it seems like, but um, I I feel like just in my own personal view, like I will more often fall on the side of the victimized in these situations. And like, it's not up to me to decide, you know, like some, for some people it's, it's enough, whatever happened in court or if a person settled or if, you know, like all that kind of stuff, like I, I think there's enough stuff there to support that he probably was a super big creep and probably impacted the the lives of some of these female comics in a negative way and what whatever their motivations for going to his hotel room like none of that stuff like matters to me like it, it boils down to in that case like something that I am a big proponent for and just like even just my own household is to spread kindness and I feel like he like that is really the antithesis of of 
Yeah, I, I think like just as a person working in an industry, like he put a big stain on it. And for some people, they can go back and they they can enjoy it. But like for me personally, and, and I'm like, I'm never going to even argue with someone who like feels like I'm dumb and I shouldn't like I just don't feel like anybody's opinion should really matter that much to another person. Like let someone have their opinion and <laughs> You know, like if if anyone is offended that uh, I so quickly flipped on Louis C.K., I don't care. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think a lot of uh, a lot of probably non-comics share that view with you. I bet you comics are more divided. I have no. Idea. Yeah, you would know better than me. You have. I see. A, I see a big division. To play to play devil's advocate. Um, what you said about siding with the victimizer or the victimized yeah is like on, like on the surface obviously like great you know that's mm. true um i think and i don't know the guy's name unfortunately um i'd be a way better podcaster <laughs> these facts but um there was like a guy who did a tv show it's not a comic or anything like that but he got stuck in this whole me too movement and that's what it's called i'm pretty sure um and like I'm pretty sure all he did was like some girl for some reason was like for some reason they were in the same place together and she was like crying. He like rubbed her back to comfort her and like he like he got all his like like that was it. And she somehow this became a me too thing and like because of the headlines rather than so like I guess because everybody just sided with the victim rather than actually like clicking the article and reading um and it's not really about everyone but it's about the company that he did his show with they like uh took all his shows off the air basically yeah it, um, it's so real it's, murky territory and yeah. it's real like i think shining a light on that kind of stuff gets dangerous then because then it like becomes a reason why someone wouldn't come forward about real things because they feel that people aren't going to believe them and all that stuff like it's it's such it's such a, a terrible perspective that like i just i want everybody to just be good to each other and like oh, yeah. you know I, yeah it's just like the self-cleaning oven metaphor though like uh doing what it's supposed to um i'm with you completely like i i definitely like i'd say 90 percent of the year i'm like why can't life just be better? And then there's like, usually in winter when like <laughs> things are super like shitty and downtrodden and I'm just like, oh yeah, but like this is an important part too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, we need some like, we need uh, bad to resist. Sure. In order to make things better. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Um, I did want to talk to you about uh, two things that we kind of went over. Um, one, you had mentioned uh, gaining clout as a headliner. Like, how, how do you think that, how, in your experience from what you've seen, how does that happen? Like, how do people cultivate that? I, I would say 
branching out of the community that you're in is going to be the most important part. Like if you are a, an Appleton comic and you want to be headlining, don't do only Appleton shows. You're going to need to drive down to Milwaukee and let the Milwaukee people know you. You're going to need to, there are, there are hubs of comedy that you need to get out of your own. Like Madison is another amazing hub for comedy. Comedy on state is like, probably one of the best clubs in the country and it's renowned for that people know that and performing in madison and getting in cool with those people more likely you're going to end up then maybe you get to mc for you know some rad comic that's coming through town the same thing is going to happen at any of these clubs like at at skyline too like seeing my friends have the opportunity to open like kristen lighties is from up in green bay now she is one of my favorite local comics she is on that grind she is out there and she is performing like she lives in green bay she's flying to colorado she's performing at festivals all over the place she's getting herself out there and she's now having like she's getting headline performances and she got to like not that this matters to anybody um my my favorite comic right now is kyle canane he is my absolute right now like i just love his voice and his absurdity and his stories is, is exactly what i love in comedy and she opened for him at the skyline show and then some friends of mine in milwaukee opened for him in milwaukee and these are the people that are on the grind these are people that are all of the people that opened for him in milwaukee are there's the dude that runs the open mic in madison is one of the openers there's another um reagan she like performs all over the place in uh in milwaukee and she's done diy shows and like it's really everything in like the entertainment industry is really who you know but that's the important part is for people to like you have to introduce new people that you know into your life to get anywhere so you're going to have to perform at new places and drive down to chicago and there are opportunities for places in chicago and recommendations really do make a difference like if i'm booking a show um i had uh meredith ketchell is another amazing comic that i brought up from chicago and i i told her just to make it worth it for her if she prefers to travel with a buddy like based on her recommendation because i hold her opinion in such high regard if you want to bring up someone from chicago to feature for you like i will take it on your word and she brought up deanna ortiz and i had never seen deanna perform before and i just based on meredith's recommendation she was another of the featured performers that night and she crushed and she was amazing and now i know deanna and now maybe i get to perform on some shows she's like booking in chicago and stuff it's really networking is going to be the most important thing in all of this what, uh, do, in your mind, like, do you think now, nine years in your career, you are, like, the most, I mean, obviously you're going to be the most networked just because you, it's, you can't unknow people. Sure. But in terms of, like, the speed of which your network is changing, do you think, like, it, it changes the fastest now, or do you think it changes the fastest, like, midway, like, what? Uh, it's just it in different areas, and I think if you're... If you're producing a show, 
that's going to be a lot of how you make a lot of these connections too. Um, cause if you're just performing in shows and you're doing seven minute spots here and there and stuff, you're not getting a big picture of other performers and, and like if you are booking a show, you're, you're getting contacted by people who performed on your show and had a great time and recommended it. Like there, there's always going to be like a, Oh, you should contact this producer because they do a good show or, Oh, you should contact this comedian because they'd be a perfect fit for your show. I think producing a show like really gets you out there and people sort of people sort of want to know you when you are able to give them something maybe. <laughs> so if you are able to like, there, there was a post today that one, um, Darius Kennedy, he's performing in the, the February showcase at fifth ward. He posted a long post where he was citing, he was saying, you know, comics always need to get paid. And this is a list of producers that put on good shows and they pay you. And he listed me as one of them. And then like my, friend requests thing in my inbox like rest in peace like all these people are like oh he pays like and they're you know scrambling to make contact but it's true like if you have something that people want like your network is going to expand so if you make a show and you make a name for that show and people attend it and people like performing at it you are going to meet so many people it's mm -hmm. awesome um Sorry, I was just like daydreaming. <laughs> Sorry. Because when you were talking about that, I was thinking about this live show and just like cool people coming on and you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, so I noticed actually at uh, one of the Barebone shows that Lyle put together mm -hmm. uh, that people showed up to the show bringing friends to ask like... Um, can I be on the next one? Oh yeah. Do you get a lot of that? Yeah. And uh, that's great advice too, is to attend the shows that you want to be booked on. <laughs> uh, just being a random voice in the darkness, reaching out to a producer, um, versus attending the show and showing that you're willing to make the, the trip out, just even be an audience member makes a huge difference. So if you, if there's shows that you want to get booked on, attend those shows and get your face at that show as much as possible. Uh, invite that producer to one of your shows and stuff like that. It's yeah. And I, I do love getting recommendations from other comics and like, that's important because I think because it is a self cleaning oven, we want to support the people that are like deserve it the most, I think. So there's always going to be the comics that I hold in high regard that if, if they say someone is good and will be a good fit for the room, there, there are definitely people that I will listen to their opinion. Nice. How, how long in your career did you start producing the shows? Or did you start? I, I Who's on fifth, your first show set that you produced? Nope. I, I've been doing shows for years. I, I probably like probably like a year and a half into doing comedy i was putting together shows like there there was my first show that i put up to, was in west bend and it was at um it was at this crappy bar called the bag end that i don't even think exists anymore and there I, and i 
I design all my gig posters. I always do all my own promo and stuff like that. Like I, and I'm, I like a lot of the gig posters, like not to pat my own back, but like they're in my house. I have gig posters that I've designed from back like years ago that I'm so proud to see that people that I booked on shows eight years ago are now living in LA and are on David Spade's late night show all the time and are touring with Pete Holmes. And like there, there's this comic, Laura bites, who is one of the funniest. And she kind of came up in Milwaukee at the same time that I did. And like, knowing that I was able to to book her on shows and then she blew up like it's just so cool I love that stuff so that's one of the names on your poster yeah Lara Bites there's there's people that I, I've worked with over the years that I, I know will be huge names there's a dude that came up in Milwaukee and I'm so jealous of him because he was performing before he was even 21 he was performing at these places where you're supposed to be 21 um, so like for, I feel like he was like out of high school was naturally talented immediately. His name is Sammy Arachar. He lives in Chicago um, and he'll probably be in LA soon or something. He is one of those like crazy natural talented people that are so funny the moment that you see them. And then those were the people that right away, like when I, the, the funniest of the funny that I saw even back then, I was like, I'm going to make a show and I'm going to put them on the show. And I'm like still doing the same thing today. Like I, I love doing that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, there's something impressive about young people, like, just smashing it, anything, whether it's music. Yeah, it makes me so angry. (laughs) I mean, it's just impressive. Yeah. Like, I think about that, uh, it's kind of a funny thing, I guess, but, like, Bob Dylan, I just feel like when that dude was, like, 18, he was, like, already, he started playing harmonica in the back of, like, some crazy New York you know uh artists yeah you know? and then all of a sudden like 1920 like one of the biggest stars in the world like, yeah i mean that's the thing that i, I feel like it is wasn't part of my trajectory because i didn't start until i was in my 30s in my early 30s is when i started and I'll, you know like if you see dudes like Dave Chappelle started in their teenage years yeah. and you know yeah. like there there are so many people that got their start that was what they were meant to do from the moment that they were born and they started really young. Like, I I wish that was my trajectory, but it's not, I don't, I love where I am with everything right now. I'm so, I I am personally most satisfied when I have a show, um, because I do, it's my creative outlet. I love making the show posters. I make video promos for the shows to, to advertise and like, I, and booking the shows and like every, hosting all of that stuff I, I truly passionately love like I like all of those things yeah. and so I, I am really most creatively fulfilled when I have an opportunity like this so I'm I, I'm even though I'm not filling clubs as a headliner in LA right now I, I'm the happiest I've been ever in comedy right now because I have a good room. People are happy to come to it. I love after the show when people tell me that they've like, especially if they've never been to a comedy show before. And this is the first time that they've been to a comedy show and it was so funny and we're going to be back next month. Like that's like someone giving my kid a compliment. Like I like, I just yeah. swell with pride. I love it. That's awesome. And that's all you can, that's all you can ask for is, to be the happiest you've ever been, you know, in your growth or on your path. Yeah. Um, I, I, I feel you in the same way where you're like, oh, if I could have 
why didn't I start when I was 15? Right. Um, but like everyone really is on, on their own path. And yeah. Like you said, 31, it clicked. Now you put together all the aspects, you love it all. Like um, for me, like I wanted to be doing what I'm doing right now with business when I was like 20, that's when I came, I'm 25 now. Sure. Reference. Yeah. It literally took me five years to even like begin to know how to like st- to start. Yeah. To execute on things, you know? Um, I think my, I think my voice would have sucked if I would have started when I was younger. Like yeah. the stuff that I like was important to me back then, I don't think has any like resonance at all <laughs> and i'm like i'm sort of glad that that the cards landed where they were and that like you know i am where i am and i made the decisions i made up until this point and like i feel i've made so much mistakes in my life so many mistakes but like it all sort of informs my voice now and i feel like right now i'm the most confident that that i've been in delivering comedy and like i don't want anybody if anybody watches this and they're like this dude is like full of himself or like thinks he knows everything i i truly don't feel that way at all i can only speak from myself and my own perspective and like i i'm happy with where i am right now and i and like that's just it's a cool feeling (laughs) and I, i i hope that there are other people out there that like have the wherewithal to you know because i'm also not a huge success story like i i do have a day job you know like this isn't the only thing that this isn't how i pay my bills i would love for that to be the case but i'm still passionate enough about it that it's like i have this small passion thing in my life that i'm able to do as much as possible that really like keeps me going every day with everything else yeah no i think that's uh i think more people need to hear like your model because some people don't do anything they're passionate about because it, they can't have it all. Right. And it's like, if you realize that if you really are passionate about it, that you can be super happy just participating in the scene and like maybe 20, 20 years from now, it maybe it does take off. You don't know. Sure. But like, if you can find happiness being a part of it, that's where community needs to be because not everyone in the community can be the smashing success that only does that and makes a lot of money because then there wouldn't be people putting together the events. Um, There wouldn't be, you know, people putting together the media to to talk about it because, um, I mean, obviously, well, I mean, a lot of the big comedians do have their own media or whatever. you know what I'm getting at. If if the only thing that I'm remembered for in comedy is like if somewhere down the road, somebody who has truly made it is like, oh yeah, Manny Field, I remember him. I did his show back in the day and it was totally rad. Like if someone had a good time and like... Like there was my, the first show at fifth ward, the, uh, my headliner ended up having to bow out at the last minute because of like an emergency. And I bumped up one of the features from being a feature to the headliner for the show because I, I love her comedy and I totally trusted that she was going to be able to dominate the room. And she crushed that night and has told me since then that that was like such a major deal that she was able to headline that night that it was like that opportunity like meant something to her and you know if if that's the only thing that i would have done in comedy i'd be super satisfied with that because i know she's probably going to be huge like dana airman is going to be enormous and like that's awesome that at one point she headlined my my dumb little show (laughs) that's awesome i like um 
one of the things that when I have comics on and when I have mus musicians on here is like I was trying to want to figure out like that stuff like your show you know 20 years from now or your who's on fifth 20 years from now will be like the thing that um, you know three of the like uh, veterans in this area like yeah remember you know what I mean maybe those veterans give back to the next Dave Chappelle from Green Bay or something right you know what I mean? yeah for sure um, so it's like it's always interesting because I know that these like the music scene here like my own music didn't just come out of nowhere like there was some there was some stuff going on here and like it was just slow to build and hopefully the same thing with the comedy scene yeah yeah I hope but yeah um, just giving those stories a place to like live and hopefully um even uncovering some gems from the past and uh, yeah having a few people be like oh i, I think i heard of that because you know? i i do hear like i listen to a lot of podcasts from comedians and stuff and there's like there there's la based stuff where they they're reminiscing about an old room that doesn't exist anymore that they were all in yeah. and hearing that kind of stuff and you know the idea that potentially down the road someone would be like oh yeah man who's on fifth was like that that was the shit like everybody loved that show and we all loved performing there like that would be awesome <laughs> yeah keep trucking yeah i plan on it i i'm like like i said i think the only show i i'm currently booked through june um we're, we're sort of we're not sure if we're gonna do a show on because the first friday in july is the third and i feel like that's kind of rough territory for booking a show because there's so much other stuff that's happening that people probably won't want to go to a comedy show that might be the first month we take off but i my my hope is to maintain the momentum that we have because we we do i tell people get there early because the room fills and it does like it's it's a full room it's it's the momentum that we have right now i want to continue that for every show that we have coming up so we are booked with amazing comics um all the way up through june i have the the list up on if you just search uh, if you're on facebook and you go to if you search for the event who's on fifth you can see the the upcoming list of all the comics you should you should try and get all the people whose names are on your posters that you keep because they're out in LA crushing it. Yeah. You should try and get all of them lined up for an Independence Day show. <laughs> yeah. Promote it with, uh, with Sean Patrick Moore with American flag body paint. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's, that, that's uh, what you should do. It would be ideal. Build your momentum and then just fireworks. <laughs> the day before fireworks. Yeah. Yeah. So next show is... Uh, February 7th um, we on that show we have John Egan um, we have Chastity Washington as the headliner um, Ben Endres is a Milwaukee comic that's going to be opening it uh, and Darius Kennedy is coming up from uh, Chicago to be one of the, the features I, I guarantee like Darius just dropped an album um, Chastity has been on BET and HBO and like she she's got credits and she I can say this with pure honesty that she is one of the funniest people I have ever seen perform in my life. She and and I, I'm so excited to have her perform specifically because in the Milwaukee scene when I was first coming up, her laugh is so amazing. And if I was at performing at a show or at an open mic and you heard her laugh in the room, like 
that was all of the validation that I needed to be able to like, okay, this is good. If I can make her laugh, like bringing her to Oshkosh and introducing her to people that she's never seen before at a free show is like a dream come true. I, I really think that if you want to treat yourself to an amazing time, come to the fifth ward on February 7th, the show's at nine o'clock, get there early and you're going to have a blast that night. I guarantee. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It truly means a lot to me. 